This evening we're going to start a new series looking at parables about the kingdom of heaven. First of all, we shall consider the parable of the soils, also known as the parable of the sower, which can be found in Matthew chapter 13. It can also be found in Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. We'll be looking at Matthew's account, but we will be referring very briefly to Mark and Luke. And the title of my sermon is The Parable of the Soils. By now you will probably be very familiar with parables and I'm sure, especially if you've been to Sunday school or even come to the Good News Club here, you will know that parables are, well, they're earthly stories with heavenly meanings. They're stories about things that anyone and everyone can understand, they can visualise and relate to. Indeed, the stories, the parables may well be experience of anyone, Christians, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, atheists and whoever. Everyday stories that people can relate to. We're going to, first of all, read verses 1 through to 9 of Matthew chapter 13. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came down, came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them but other fell into good ground and brought forth uh, fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who have ears to hear, let him hear. First of all, it can be seen that a great multitude surrounded the Lord Jesus Christ and so he boarded a ship and that ship became his pulpit from where he taught and taught the the people. Jesus then proceeded to teach the multitude about a sower sowing seeds into the ground. It fell on four different types of ground and first of all we're going to consider the four different types of ground. In verse 4, when he sowed some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. The wayside, that's the path. The seeds would have come to rest on top of that hard surface and the birds would have simply swooped down and had a very easy and nutritious meal without bothering to forage for worms. Couldn't be easier for the, for the, the birds. 
Then in verses 5 and 6, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. Forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. This is the second type of ground. Very little soil, very stony ground, not much soil, and that resulted in the seeds growing quickly, but withering because they were scorched by the sun and because they they had nowhere to spread their roots and to draw on any moisture, on any water in the earth. There wasn't much soil there for them to draw on water. And that reminds me of something that my wife, that my wife used to tell me every time, I think, that we went in the olden days when we used to go on sunshine holidays. And she would always tell me to drink plenty of water. I think that's possibly because she didn't want me to, to wither away and shrivel up. Thirdly, verse 7 here, some fell upon among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. As the seeds sprouted, they were choked by the thorns. Presumably, the thorn bushes took all the moisture uh, and all the soil and that resulted in the seeds coming to nothing. You know how greedy... Uh, thorn bushes can be and how it destroys everything else. Last of all, fourthly, verse 8, but other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. So those seeds fell on fertile soil, good soil, and they brought forth fruit. That was it. The seeds were all the same, But the ground was very different, four different types of ground. That would not have been overly complicated for the multitude on the seashore to understand. You don't have to be a farmer to understand that story. And I trust that each one of you will have understood what what has been said so far. Nothing complicated about it. Let's have a look at verses 9 through to 18. Who have ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever have to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever have not, from him shall be taken away, even that he have. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 6, which I read earlier, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, 
lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I shall should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. I'll stop there for a minute. Among the great multitudes who heard Jesus teaching in parables, there would have been many of them, if not most of them, who would not have progressed beyond the earthly stories into the deep spiritual truths. They would have found, as I say, they would have found it very easy. They would have been able to visualise, to probably relate to what Jesus was saying. Seed being scattered and falling onto four different surfaces and four different results there. With regards to the parable of the soils, it's clear in verses 9 to 18 that it was not to everyone but to the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, along with his apostles, that the deep spiritual truths were revealed. Revealed by God. For example, we see in verse 11 there, the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou in parables? Sorry, verse 11. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But but to them it is not given. To some it's given, to the others it's not given. The ones who it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven are the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact is that all of us are by sinful human nature wholly incapable of receiving spiritual truth through our own diligence, through our own hard work. Consequently, God reveals the spiritual lessons to some, but not to others. I think even before I go any further, you, you, you have to appreciate that. that it, it really it ties in a bit with what I was saying this morning. And quite often I do get mixed up with one, my sermons because there's a lot of overlap talking this morning about being spiritually dead, dead in trespasses and sins. How can you expect someone who is dead in trespasses and sins to understand spiritual truth? It doesn't make sense. And uh, this is the case here. Most, if not all, of that multitude would not have understood the spiritual lessons. In verse 14... The Lord Jesus Christ quoted Isaiah chapter 6 when he said, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. It gets really interesting when you look at that word of prophecy in Isaiah, as we did earlier, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 10, you discover that the Lord said to his prophet, to Isaiah, Make the heart of this people fat and make their eyes heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. You can put a spin on that if you want to but I don't intend to here. I'm going to just take this as I read it. God 
through his prophet, make their ears heavy and shut their eyes. What can be learnt from those words is that the judgment of God was upon the rebellious Jews of old, so much so that through Isaiah, (coughs) he blinded and deafened them to the word of truth. God did it. In the New Testament, the Apostle John makes that fact very clear. John chapter 12 and verse 40, where John said, He, that is God, hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, not understand with the heart and be converted and I should heal them. And let's be very clear about this. I know that we harden our hearts, but that's not what the text is saying here. He, God, have blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. God have done these things that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with the heart and be converted and I should heal them. Understand very clearly that everyone without exception is thoroughly deserving of God's judgment. If that's our start point, then we won't struggle with this scripture. Everybody comes into this world fully deserving the judgment of God. As David said in Psalm 51, as he acknowledged that he was shapen in iniquity and in sin did his mother conceive him. And what David said for himself, can not can, it applies to every one of us. Shapen in iniquity, knit together in our mother's wombs in iniquity and born as natural born sinners with Adam as our federal head. So, not that we should anyway, but none of us has any reason to stamp our feet and wave our fist towards heaven and say, that's not fair, God. Not at all. And apart from anything else, God is God. God does according to his good pleasure, for his purpose, for his glory. So, understand very clearly, everyone without exception is thoroughly deserving of God's judgment, his damnation, because of sin. The wages of sin is death. Nevertheless, God graciously chooses some for salvation from sin and for everlasting life. And that is an act of grace on God's part. As for the rest, those who are destined for judgment and everlasting punishment, God deafens their ears and God blinds their eyes to the gospel of Christ and to scriptural truth generally. It just goes to show that salvation from sin is by the grace of God. We looked at that this morning, didn't we? It's by the grace of God from start to finish. As the Bible commentator John Gill said, to know and understand the great truths of the gospel spiritually savingly and experimentally is not from nature or to be acquired by men's industry but is the gift of God's grace flowing from his sovereign will and pleasure a favour which the disciples of Christ in other words Christians as a chosen people we this morning we saw chosen in uh, before the foundation of the world received from the Lord and which is denied others. 
We can see in verse 18 there, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower, that the deep spiritual meaning of the parable was about to be given by Jesus, not to everyone, but to his disciples, who were by this time alone with him. He was just about to tell them the spiritual truth contained in that story. There can be seen, that can be seen to the, that can be seen to be the case in Mark chapter 4 verse 10 where it is written, but when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. That word alone, I've underlined it. It's important that Mark tells us that he was alone. Jesus was alone with his disciples when he explained the spiritual truth. Out of earshot of the multitude. I hope that you can see by now that getting saved is not left to individuals to invite Christ into their sinful hearts. Rather, God will have mercy on whomever he will have mercy and he will have compassion on whomever he will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills nor of him who runs but of God who shows mercy. Let's have a look at verse 19 here. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. So in verse 19, Jesus is giving the spiritual application for what happened with that first type of ground, the seed that was sown on the wayside or on the path. Ordinarily, it's not Jesus. We don't sit down with Jesus. He doesn't take us aside and explain things to us as he did to his disciples there. But if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit teaches you and the Holy Spirit explains spiritual truth to you. And this is what we're going to see to see now, uh, the explanation to that first type of ground. The seeds that were sown are the word of the kingdom or the word of God, as it is written in Luke chapter 8 and verse 11. Also the ground is the heart. Seed is the word of God, the, heart, the, the ground is the heart. The seeds that fell on a path is a picture of people who... Even as they're hearing the gospel of Christ being proclaimed, do not understand the deep spiritual truth and the word is taken from them by the devil, the evil one. As I've already said, you cannot expect birds to wait for their dinner until a sower has finished sowing his seeds and neither does the devil wait until a preacher has finished preaching the gospel and finished his sermon. Even as some of the congregation are listening, the spiritual lessons are taken from them. They hear precisely the same sermon or gospel message as those who understand, but they themselves do not understand the spiritual truth. Those whom it it is not given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, that they might be converted, may be indistinguishable from those who do understand. They all look the same, they're all singing the same hymns, 
the same metrical psalms. They're all saying amen um, to the prayer. Some hear and understand, others do not. There have been professing Christians who have talked to me after a service and even allowing for a poor exposition from me, a lousy preach on my part, they have nevertheless completely missed the important spiritual lessons that were preached. And the, the plain truth is, the, tr- the plain truth is that the spiritual lessons have gone clean over their heads. And they, they might even be professing Christians and they've understood nothing spiritual in the sermon. They might talk to me about, say something, pay a compliment about an illustration that I've used, a worldly illustration or something, but the actual message seems to be lost on them. They may well be people who have attended church for many years, but they have never really understood the messages that have been preached. The deep spiritual truths seem to bounce off them. They never seem to have an appetite for spiritual talk about deep spiritual things. They never seem to progress beyond the bare basics of the, in their understanding, even after many years of church attendance. And it's not as if I'm teaching rocket science from the pulpit. There's nothing complicated about it. Whether they are professing Christians or not, they simply do not have ears to hear and eyes to understand spiritual truth. Let's have a look at verses 20 through to 21. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet have he not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by, he is offended. This is the second type of ground now, the explanation. When you think about it, the sun is essential for life and for growth when seeds are sown. However, as I've said, if the ground is shallow, the seed is scorched and death is sure to follow. And that is a picture of fair-weather Christians who fall away when tribulation or persecution arise. Had they had genuine saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the trials and the persecution would no doubt have served to draw them closer to God. They are people who gladly receive the word of God and maybe at their baptismal service they give a powerful testimony about how they became Christians. They might even have been received into membership of a good Baptist church and been involved in the outreach and various activities of that church. However, like the seeds that fell on shallow and stony ground, they have no depth, no depth of understanding, and that is because the word of God fell upon hearts of stone instead of hearts of flesh. Instead of growing in faith, when persecution or tribulation come along, they show themselves to be chocolate Christians and they melt. They turn out to be a bunch of cowards, devoid of any holy boldness, and they are a far cry from the Christians, the early Christians that we read of in Acts of the Apostles. For example, 
as it is written in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through to 4, and Saul was consenting unto his death. That's the death, the martyrdom of Stephen. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Terrible persecution arose, scattering of the disciples, the Christians. Did they hide out of the way? Well, let's read on. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Now listen to this last sentence. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. These are the ones that were, that were scattered when there was a great persecution in Jerusalem. They went everywhere preaching the gospel. Let's have a look at verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Now we come to those, this is the third type of ground, the, the ground, the explanation for it. The seeds that fell among thorns and were choked. That is a picture of people who have professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but when it comes down to it, they are far from being like the man who is blessed in Psalm 1, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalm 1 goes on to tell us that he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's the psalmist of Psalm 1. No reason why that shouldn't be every Christian. Meditating on the law of the Lord day and night like a tree planted by rivers of water bringing forth his fruit in season and his leaf shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. In contrast, what is spoken of in verse 22 are people whose hearts are preoccupied with earthly riches and the things of this world instead of being fixed upon Jesus and all that he is, all that he he has done and indeed all that he continues to do as the great heavenly high priest. This is what we should be focusing on, fixing our minds on, as we study and meditate upon the word of God. But this is not so with those who are like the seed that is sown among thorns. They become Well, as we see there in verse 22, the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Verse 23, but he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth 
some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirty. Good ground at last. That depicts the person in whose heart the word of God has induced true repentance. You'd have to say that that true repentance was missing from the other three. At last we see true repentance towards God and that person has received Jesus as his saviour from sin. As a result he now lives a born again life that is consecrated to God and his heart is overflowing with praise. Again we looked at that this morning didn't we? When we give glory to God uh, we praise God for his goodness towards us and we never stop praising God for his, the riches of his grace towards us, choosing us before the foundation of the world, predestinating us to be his children, making us accepted in his beloved son. So that person lives a born again life for God and brings forth not just some nice green leaves or some fragrant smelling flowers but that person brings forth much fruit for the glory of God in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 to 30 the word of the Lord came to the prophet Ezekiel and he said a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and I will be your God. That is a great theme in the Bible to be his people and to him, for him, God, to be our God. I will also save you from all your uncleannesses and I will call for the corn and it will increase it and lay no famine upon you and I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. In the first instance those words were spoken to the Jews of old. However beyond that they speak about all who have eyes to see, ears to hear and hearts to receive and understand the word of God. God himself gives those people a new heart. God multiplies their fruit so that they bring forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold and God receives all the glory. Finally, are you bringing forth the fruit of salvation for the glory of God, having trusted in Jesus as a repentant sinner? If the answer is yes, then blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Amen.